You're listening to the Geek Watch Podcast, Episode 45, Vampire the Masquerade, 5th Edition Review. This is the Geek Watch Podcast with Brian Hatcher and Mandy Petrie. Greetings, Geek Watchers, and welcome to episode 45 of the Geek Watch Podcast. I'm Brian Hatcher, and with me, as always, Geek Watch's own resident geek goddess, Mandy Patrick. Hello. So we got a, a few little things to talk about. We will discuss Doctor Who and The Walking Dead, but before we get to that, a few things that we wanted to mention that uh, popped up this week. Now, what a lot of people were talking about was John Cena, the wrestler, mm-hmm. and his Instagram, where he put up a picture of Captain America's shield, and suddenly everybody started talking about it, because... Hmm. Wait a minute, is he going to be the next Captain America? Is, is he going to be in the Captain America movie? What's he doing with Marvel? And th- that began a whole lot of speculation. Now, for people who do not understand how the internet works, <laughs> um, somebody might not necessarily understand what John Cena was up to. What a lot of influencers and a lot of people on the internet will do, they'll put up a picture like that. Not that they've been talking to anybody. But they put this picture up so they can generate buzz. Mm, mm-hmm. And if they can generate enough buzz, you know, in, in John Cena's case, if he can generate enough buzz with this Captain America shield, then he can go to Marvel and say, hey, look, they're interested. You ah. know, So mm-hmm. it's sort of like an audition in a sense. Okay. It's to try to generate buzz. Not that I think that he's going to become the new Captain America mm-hmm. or whatever. I, to no. be honest, I could see Plus him. Chris, Chris Evans. Yeah. I could see him maybe as U.S. agent, which is a character that when Steve Rogers quit being Captain America in the comics, they replaced him with this guy. I know a lot of people saw that and they were like, oh my God, what's that mean? Well, as of right now, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, I mean, midterm elections were this week. So this could have been his, yeah, America, Captain America punching Hitler in the face. Yeah, it absolutely could be. Show your pride. He could very well wind up eventually in a Marvel movie. That's very possible, but... Obviously, just because he puts the shield up on his Instagram doesn't mean anything right now. It could develop into something, but we'll find out. So, something else that I saw online that I wanted to bring up to you, because I don't know if you heard about this or not, but the internet is full for fan theories. God, I love fan theories. Yes. Well, this is the kind of fan theory, I don't know if I want to say I love it, because it's a really morbid fan theory. And I don't know if Marvel would go down this road because it's kind of unpleasant for a bunch of reasons, which you're going to find out, especially when you think of, let's say, the first Spider-Man movie and the teaser trailer and the changes they had to make to the teaser trailer. Yes, I do. I remember that in 2002. That's when the movie premiered was 2002. But the teasers would have been in 2001. Right. And they basically had Spider-Man webbing a copter between the 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 Twin Twin Towers. Towers. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Well... On Reddit, a fan came up with a theory calculating the MCU Spider-Man and figured that Peter Parker in the MCU, because of his age, was born sometime in 2001. It's also canon in the comics that Peter Parker's parents died soon after his birth. Mm-hmm. They died in a plane crash. Now, oh, oh, wow. <laughs> way to go, Reddit. Whoever yeah. did that, way to go. You yeah, suck. So, so you can see where that comes <laughs> Did Peter Parker's parents die on 9-11? I oh, wow. Huh. Yeah. Well, I, I, I don't know what to say to that. I mean, neat. there are fan theories that, that I love, and many TV shows and books have adapted to fan theories. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think one of the, probably the most well-known is the Klingons. 
you know, why did the Klingons look more Terran in Star Trek, the original series, than they do in any other Star Trek movie or universe? And the fan theory was that they had somehow surgically changed themselves to make themselves look more like other aliens. Right. And then they quit adapting that way and went back to having their ridges. Oh, yeah. I remember an episode of Deep Space Nine. It was called Trials and uh, Tribulations. Do you remember that? I don't think so. Well, I was, when you want to hear Tribbles, I think Tribbles. But well, b- because is- that's exactly what you should think, because <laughs> Cisco and his crew went back into time and appeared in that episode of The Trouble with Tribbles. <laughs> and so a lot of the scenes were basically them being superimposed into scenes of wow. The Trouble with Tribbles. And there's a scene where Cisco asks Worf, why do the Klingons look like that? And he goes, we never talk about this. <laughs> no, but, I don't rem- I can't believe I don't remember that. That's, oh, that's hilarious. But I do know that the, the Klingons hate the Tribbles because if you're a fan of the show, you know that uh, Scotty sent all the Tribbles to the Klingons. And then apparently in their universe, the Tribbles just ate everything of the Klingons and just destroyed everything, their crops and just everything. Because they're basically a kudzu. Yeah, in Trials and Tribulations, the two things that I specifically remember was the Klingons and the crew of the Enterprise got into a fight in a bar Mm -hmm. because of insults thrown back and forth. And O'Brien is in the lineup of the people getting chewed out by Kirk about the fight. Oh my gosh, that's so brilliant. And the other thing was Jadzia Dax had a crush on Bones because when she was, uh, I forget which Dax it was, it was like maybe a couple Daxes back, she had been in a relationship with him. Huh. And that was canon, yes. Very interesting. Yeah, I'm going to have to go look these episodes up. I've got to see this. Uh, Love it. Trials and Tribulations, Mm -hmm. it was a great throwback. Mm Mm-hmm. And well, in the animated series, there was Trials and Tribbles, but yes. uh, that wasn't the... But this oh, is something different. Then. A great fun episode, and especially if you remember the original and seeing how they're able to interject you know, the Deep Space Nine crew into that story. That is really neat, because oh, yeah. uh, this would have been early pioneering in that superimposed... The first one I remember was Forrest Gump, imposing Forrest Gump into history, right. historical videos and things like that. Oh, but yeah, that was a definitely fun episode, so... One other thing I did want to talk about, since we're talking about television, and of course television going into movies, Breaking Bad has been announced. They're going to be making a Breaking Bad movie. Huh, wow. And so they're going to be bringing those characters back. So I don't know if this is going to be a prequel or a sequel. Walter White supposedly died at the end of Breaking Bad, so... I only watched like the first two or three seasons of that, so I don't know how it ended. Obviously ended with Walter White's death, but they're not really saying a whole lot about it, and I'm not really all that eager to hear spoilers anyway. I'm really curious to that, but of course, what's already started filming, and I'm really, really excited for, is Deadwood. Yes! Oh, finally. Swearingen is back. (laughs) Yes. Sorry, I love the way Mr. Wu says Swidgen. Yes. Gosh, what has it been? It's been over 10 years, hasn't it? Since, yeah. And even though there was kind of an ending to the TV show, they were planning on doing more. So They left it wide open, though. And then there was a bunch of things I would have loved to have seen what they did with it afterwards, but yeah. Mm Most of the crew is going to be back for this one. Amazing. I'm excited to see Timothy Oliphant step back into that because, you know, I saw him as Seth Bullock for so long mm-hmm. that when I saw him in the Santa Clarita diet and I realized just how funny he is, it's going to be really interesting seeing him take up the badge again. That's, oh, yeah. That's going to be but, wild. But Brad Dwarf's going to be back, too, yes, as the doctor. Doc. Uh, we're getting Calamity Jane back. and. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, pretty much everybody's going to be back for this, and I'm... Ian McShane? Yeah, oh, definitely Ian McShane. got to have you, Ian McShane. Yeah, I don't you, think we could do Deadwood without... without 
yeah, without Al Swearingen. Without that character, it would be a deal breaker. I really honestly wouldn't want to see the movie if you're not going to get to see mm-hmm. Al again. He was a wonderful part of that show. He was the rotten heart of it. So it's already started filming. They're on set now as we speak. Awesome. There's just so many great characters and mm-hmm. tiny, tiny characters, like seemingly insignificant that were just still fantastic. To get a chance to revisit that world yeah. again, every once in a while you would hear, oh, they're planning on doing a movie and then you'd never hear anything else. Right. I mean, this last time I heard about it, I was like, okay, yeah, sure. I, sure, they're going to. But they're, no, they're filming now. What? Really? They're filming now? <laughs> so, yes, yeah, send it along. I'm ready to go. So I, last week we did mention that I was going to go over Vampire the Masquerade 5th Edition. I did get my book. I've been reading it. I've been going through it. And I do have a few things to mention. And some of the things that I noticed about it is obviously the world has changed a great deal from the 90s when Vampire first came out till now. And it reminded me about how different the world was back then than it is now. And so the background side of it, there's a lot of interesting things that are going on that change the game, but add a new dimension to it. Mm-hmm. As far as the rules go, they're pretty much the same. We're back to rolling 10-sided dice for successes. One of the things that I found really interesting is blood pool, which, of course, is very important to a vampire. And, you know, the less blood you have, the hungrier you get, and the crazier things can go for you. And the old rules, these became modifiers for dice rolls. Now, they've cleaned that up with this new hunger rule, which I really like, which basically, per point of hunger that you have, you take one of your dice in your dice pool and you change it for another different color dice that are known as blood dice. Basically, blood dice, you use them to roll your tasks like you normally would. You got to count out your red dice first, and then you can fill in with the regular dice, depending on the size of the dice pool that you need. And on blood dice, tens are crits and ones are botches. On the blood dice, if you get a 10, it's considered a bloody success. So yes, you succeeded, but you succeeded by going off, going crazy, and something bad's probably going to happen through it. It's mm. like you're trying to get through a door. Well, the beast took over, and you smashed the door down. And everyone heard you. And then, of course, the botches are bestial botches, and so much, much worse. And so I found that was an interesting way of taking some of the math. Uh, the other thing that they changed in the rules, willpower is now tied into, I guess, what you could call social health, where you have a health rating, and as you take damage, it lowers your health. In social situations, your willpower is considered your social health. So as you take, I guess you could call it social damage. In other words, because there's a lot of relationship stuff that happens. And as you take social damage, your willpower goes down. And willpower is really important for controlling the beast. In vampire society, if a vampire is humiliated, they just don't go off and pout. They might go into a crazed rage because the beast is like that. It's a social animal as well as a beast. Like you know, politicians. Oh, yeah. Well, (laughs) politics is really heavy in this game. And so trying to get somebody to lose their cool can have some serious consequences in vampire society. And so that part of it definitely plays in, too. But in some ways, they've cleaned up the rules. In some ways, they've made things a little bit more complicated. Back in the old rules, blood was blood, and that was it. But now different blood has different what they call resonances, for want for a better word, different tastes. Okay, like type bloods or like... Like if you feed from a pregnant woman or whether you feed from someone with type A blood. Okay, or type well, well, let me o ask blood. you, um, are you familiar with alchemy and the humors? No. Wait, yes. Bile, mm-hmm. mucus, or phlegm. Sorry. Black bile, yellow bile, phlegm, and blood. Right. Yes. And so basically what they say is that blood, depending on the, the personality and the emotions of the person, have different resonances very similar to humors. Hmm. 
and that these different bloods can affect a vampire in different ways. Mm-hmm. And animal blood is different than human blood. So you can use these bloods to power different disciplines. It complicates things a little bit, but because of some of the things that they've introduced into the system, such as blood alchemy, I can understand why you have that in there, but it does kind of complicate things a little bit. I think it's something that you can get over and be able to play through it. It's not too horribly bad. It is a little more complicated blood-wise than the old rules. There's a lot of great background stuff in the game, which I'm really enjoying. I will say this, as far as recommendations for the game, for people who might be interested, one thing I will definitely say about this game, especially if you've played it before, I think you'll enjoy the new game. Vampire is not like a lot of role-playing games, and Mandy, I know you've played Mm D&D a great deal. And I'm not saying this to knock D&D, but the thing about D&D is you can have flavor text in the game and you can have backgrounds for your characters, but they're really not that important. The big important thing is your stats. In D&D, the main thing that you're doing is you're going out finding problems and solving them by throwing dice at them. I saw some reviews of Vampire and one person that I saw who admitted that he'd never played Vampire before. One of the problems that he had with the game was he'd like to have seen some sort of a mini module in Vampire for like a starter for people to get going. And there is a Vampire starter kit for people who've never played before, which I would recommend you do before you get this book. You don't get to generate your own characters. It basically creates characters that you have to play. And the reason for that, and the reason why there's no module in the Vampire Core book, is because you can't make modules for Vampire. There are no such thing as Vampire modules. Unlike a lot of games, including Dungeons & Dragons, the flavor text for Vampire is the most important part of the character. You can't create modules for Vampire because you don't know what characters are playing. What the characters put on the character sheets determines what type of game you play. Because of that, what your characters have on the character sheets really plays a big role in the type of adventures that you play. Because of that, I usually say if you've never really played role-playing games before, Vampire is probably not the game you want to start out with. Mm -hmm. Let me put it to you this way, because I know you've played Fiasco. We've played Fiasco Mm -hmm. before. And you also know that Fiasco is a great game to play with creative people, like actors and writers and improv. And, you know, people who are creative, it's great to play Fiasco with. People who are not so creative, not the best. You know, it's Mm -hmm. people who are very creative can think on their feet. That's going to come more involved in their gameplay than rolling dice. Mm -hmm. Dice rolling takes a small part of the game because whenever you're dealing with conflict, you have to have some way to, to resolve that conflict, especially physical conflict. But a lot of the stuff comes into play as far as the creative side of things when you're playing your characters. And... They really double down in this new game. You have what they call touchstones, where the vampires, what is that person that's still in the human world that you are involved with that have some effect on you? And because of the way this game is set up, and because there's so much dealing with the players, I would absolutely say that if you've never run a game before, this is definitely not the thing you want to start out with. So is that, they call it a game master? Or a uh, they're actually master? referred to, they're referred to as a storyteller. Storyteller. Hmm. And to be a storyteller, you need to have major improv skills. You need to be a really good writer and you have to be really, really, really flexible because to run this kind of a game takes an awful lot of work, much more work than a GM or a DM. Because of course, first of all, you, there's no modules. 
you have to really create everything based off the characters you've got sitting at the table. And you're creating relationship maps between characters, between their touchstones, between storyteller player characters. And so you have to know all those relationships. Because this is a game of political and personal horror, those things become paramount. And so if you're not used to running that kind of a game, or you're not someone who wants to put in hours of work to get a game (laughs) together... This is probably not, not going to be for you. Something else I'll definitely say about the game is after going through the book. Now, there are other books that are coming out, background books for the Camarilla and the Anarchs. I'm going to have to say right now, as far as this book's concerned, if you've played Vampire before, if you played first edition or second edition, I think that this book is going to be enough to allow you to run a game because you'll know some of the background. I think if you've never played Vampire before, this book is not going to be enough. Because it makes references to different things in the vampire world, especially the Camarilla with Archons and Justicars and Seneschals and and all of that. That if you've read the original material, you know what those things are, but they don't really explain them in this book. And you don't really know a lot of the background of the Camarilla, which because of the type of game this is, this is something you really need to know. And so if you know this stuff from previous editions of Vampire, I think you're fine. But to Is there a Cliff Notes version or maybe a video? I don't believe so because mm-hmm. this is a very long and involved bit of knowledge. Mm-hmm. The Camarilla book's supposed to be out soon. And I think with this book, the Camarilla book and the Anarch book, you'll have the background that you need. Or, if, like I said, if you've played Vampire before, you can fill in the blanks, but they don't explain everything in the world. That was one thing as I was reading it, I was wondering. I was like, I could run out of this book, but, of course, I've got a decade's worth of experience playing Vampire, and I'm sitting here trying to figure out, if I didn't know any of that stuff, would this book work? And I don't think it particularly Mm -hmm. does. But I think that once the Camarilla book comes out and the Anarch book comes out, you'll have all the background. But as of right now, I would suggest people who are new to it... Pick up the starter kit. Yes, you're not going to be able to create your own character. You're going to have to choose a character. But I think that'll be a good introduction. The last thing I would suggest is because I bought the hardcover of the book, I was able to get the PDF, which I have on my iPad. If you've got the money to buy the book, I guess that's okay. If you really want to have the book, but you really don't need it, if you can... And to be honest, obviously the PDF is going to be cheaper. I'm getting more use out of the PDF than I am getting out of the book. One of the main reasons for that, besides the fact that reading it on a touchscreen is a lot easier to navigate, because the artwork, I mean, it's a beautiful book and there's a lot of artwork, but in some cases it makes it a little hard to navigate through the book and it's a lot Mm -hmm. easier to do that in digital form. Right. But the other part of it is there is errata in the book. There are mistakes in the book on charts and different things like that. And so you have to go in and correct them. You can get a list of the errata if you've got the hardcover. And there's only really, fortunately, one correction that's on a black page with white print, which makes correcting it there almost impossible. Uh, Fortunately, I had a uh silver pen. The rest of the errata, fortunately, appeared on white pages, so I could cross it out and make the changes. In the PDF version, the errata has already been corrected, so you don't have to bother with that in the PDF. The PDF is much cheaper, so if you're going to buy the book, if you don't care about having the hardcover, just just get the PDF, and you'll have everything that you need. So, All the corrections. I have to say that I'm intrigued by the game. I'm eager to see when the Camarilla book comes out and the Anarch book. They've already hinted some changes have happened in both of those societies. One thing I really love about this game, and they've really doubled down on it in the new editions, is all the background stuff, all the secrets, all the treachery. It's a fun game to play if you're not worried about dipping too deeply into some very dark materials, especially dark materials that involve you as a person. (laughs) 
If you've played role-playing games before, this will be definitely something worth picking up and uh, checking out. And so let's go ahead and finish up with the Sunday night shows. Ah, yes. What the who? What the dead? So on Doctor Who, we had the Tsunga Conundrum. Yes. Which I don't know how good a title that is, because if I didn't write it down, I wouldn't remember or, it. Or be able to say it correctly and pronunciate. Yeah, the Sarung- well, the Sarunga Conundrum. So I guess the, the biggest thing about this episode is, oh my gosh, Brian, there's a female doctor and a pregnant man. <laughs> oh my gosh, everyone flipped out over this, Brian. Yeah. I don't understand. Okay, Junior, Arnold Schwarzenegger playing a pregnant man. Mm-hmm. And even in Doctor Who, the face of Bo was pregnant in the first... <laughs> first season of the new series right star trek the next generation did this farscape this is not new pregnant men this is ancient sci-fi here it's not new no so trying to say that this is propaganda is Uh, it's it's definitely somebody looking to start a fight right yeah they're just looking for something bad and i'll say especially after seeing rosa this wasn't like this is never going to be my favorite episode ever the little monster was adorable little eating monster the pating the pating he is a little naked eating monster he was adorable and so cute yeah. um, uh, a space gremlin space, yeah space gremlin good one yeah yeah it's on the side of the plane you yeah. know very it was a good episode there aren't really very few bad episodes i wouldn't call it bad it wouldn't be my favorite mm-hmm. but it was all right well there are two things about i'm not even necessarily going to call them bad things and i don't even think they're nitpicks per se but a couple things about the episode is like first of all can the doctor not keep a hold of her tardis no. she keeps losing she it keeps losing it Mm-mm. and she didn't get it back at the end of the episode so she's been at least two episodes now without it yeah (laughs) the TARDIS has become the damsel in distress I wonder if, like, the next episode, they're just going to have gotten the TARDIS back once they got to the planet or whatever. They got a ride back and the TARDIS was still there. Yeah, we don't need to see. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, but the thing about it, too, is, of course, you had the Doctor desperate to get the TARDIS back because it was on a junk planet. She was worried it was going to get stolen. One of the things about the Doctor, you are starting to see some of the darkness that the Doctor has kind of seat back in because there was that point where, you know, she wanted to get this ship turned around and heading back to where it came from. And it's like, she had to be reminded, hey, this is a medical ship. There are people who are, there are yes. in need here. And she's like, oh yeah, they are. What the heck's and wrong I'm with me? I'm a doctor. <laughs> the other thing about the episode, and again, I can't even call this a nitpick, but after they were brought up on the ship, they were scanned and they were treated. As we know about Graham, he's recovering from cancer. He's in remission. This may have just been flavor text. They might not ever revisit this again. However, if they had in their minds the idea of this character eventually having to deal with his cancer coming back, well, they just put this character in a situation where that's going to make it very difficult to do that because he was on a medical ship in the 69th century. How did they not catch his catch that his potential cancer? Yeah, yeah exactly. Now, like I said, if they're not planning on revisiting again, that's fine. If they do, it's probably just going to be a problem for me. And <laughs> and if it is, and it, I'll just sit there and let it be a problem for me and just keep my mouth shut. I, and I promise you, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to promise this to you right now, Mandy, and I'm going to promise this to the Geek Watchers listening. If his cancer does come back in any way, shape, or form, I'm not going to say anything about it. I'm just going to let it roll off my back. I'll never mention it on this podcast again. You'll have to go back to episode 45 to hear me complain about it. (laughs) We're just going to let it go. Let it go. And so next week, we, because we, of course, we've been talking about Yaz and when is she going to have that moment to step forward? And next week's going to be that time. The name of the episode is Demons of the Punjab. They're going to go back in India and one of her ancestors. That is so cool. Yeah. Which I wonder if this is going to be like Rosa was for us. 
Mm-hmm. If yeah. they're going to visit some of the really messed up things that the British did with... In India. Oof. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> You know, they were able to reflect a very fair view of Alabama in Rosa. Are they going to go down that road in India? I wonder. Wow. To be honest, I think that they would certainly have the courage to do so. Mm-hmm. Of course, that's next week, and we'll see what happens we when we see, see that. And then The Walking Dead. The Walking Dead, what Brian. Comes after? Big spoiler alerts, Geek Watchers. I doubt you could have avoided the spoilers about this time. A big surprise. Rick lives, and he is rescued by the helicopter people. Surprise! Now, for people who listened last week, and people, uh, and I will say this, we brought the podcast out on some different formats, so it's possible you may be listening to us for the first time. Congratulations. Congratulations. (laughs) And let me point something out. If you're not aware, Mandy Petrie is a nice person. She's an incredibly nice person, probably too nice a person to be watching a show that is as soul-wrenching and soul-crushing <laughs> as The Walking Dead. And there have been many times that we've talked about the show where she's tried to come up with some way to save a character that we know is going to freaking die. <laughs> and it happens more and often than not. And of course, last week we were talking about the show and she's like, well, you know, Rick might be rescued by the helicopter people. And though I didn't say anything, of course, what I'm thinking is, isn't that adorable? (laughs) And I thought, well, we'll have this week to basically decompress and we can talk about, you know, the horrible way that Rick died. Because how many people have they killed off in horrible, horrible ways? Mm -hmm. Starting, of course, with Abraham. I stuck my fingers crossed for Beth. I was like, come on, Beth can come back. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's a fantasy. Come on, you can bring Beth back. So, of course, she said, you know, well, Rick could get rescued by the helicopter people. And I'm like, well, no, because this is a cruel, mean show. And they'll they'll never save Rick. They've got no reason to. But damned if the helicopter people didn't Didn't show up and save Rick. Rick. Yep. Well, Rick has survived way too much, Brian. He should have died like 10 times ago. I mean, from the very first time he got shot, laying in the hospital, wake up in Walker World, and then all the different times that I think he's been crushed. I'm not sure. He should have died a long time ago. There's something something special about Rick. Yeah. And- but of course, Mandy saw this coming because she has a heart full of butterflies and rainbows. Yes, Carl's still out there. And I didn't and <laughs> I didn't see it coming because I have a heart full of misery and coarse grit sandpaper. So it surprised me. I mm-hmm. absolutely surprised me. Now the reason why they saved him is because AMC is going to be doing some TV movies. Movies. There's I going know. to be three of them that involve Rick. That was a big surprise. So we're going to get to see another part of Walker World. We get Texas and California with Fear of the Walking Dead, which I don't watch. And then we get the East Coast with Walking Dead. And now, who knows? Maybe we'll be in Canada. As far as our crew on the Walking Dead, they think he's dead, and apparently they're never going to find out that he's alive. Well, because well, because well, this some, what, they were saying that talking about a reunion between him and Michonne, so there's always that. Well, there's that, that there's there's definitely that possibility, I suppose. But Scott Gimple was very adamant to say, you know, that Rick's time on The Walking Dead was over, and so yeah, they could possibly pull Michonne in, but. You have this time jump at the end of six years, and mm-hmm. Rick's not come back. And you know, it took maybe a long time, but finally Judith looks like her parents. Yeah. <laughs> whoever they brand, are, finally, yeah, whoever they are, because I was sure that that she was Andrea's because she had blonde hair yeah. forever, and now finally, like, how did two brown-haired parents? Either way, how did that kid get blonde hair? Wow, Judith is different, isn't she? Oh, she's our new Carl. She's our new Damian Wayne is who she is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. She's well, the Damian Wayne. Well, you know, they the... have that one little clip of her talking to Negan, and it reminded me of when you were talking about how Carl and Negan in the comics yeah. talk to each other and their relationship. So I really think Judith is our 
our Carl going forward. You know, yeah. she's going to have that relationship with him because, well, obviously she can't with her dad. It wouldn't be Walking Dead if we didn't complain about something. And so I got to complain about one thing, obviously. Lauren Cohen, this was her last what episode? What the hell, Brian? Yeah, she did. That, that was like, uh, they just kind of like shoved it out the back door. It was like, oh, yeah, now, she, now she's gone. That's it? That's all she gets? She doesn't, yeah, yeah, she doesn't, she doesn't even get a send off. <sighs> now, of course, her situation's a little bit different. Maggie could come back, but how do they explain it? Did she take off somewhere and take Herschel with her? Is little Herschel still going to be part of the show? Oh, the- and we did catch a glimpse of a boy with a slingshot. And I can't help but hope that that's Andre, that that's Michonne's little boy. Yeah, uh, that's that's my hope of it. And they introduced him as someone else, but I'm I'm hoping that as the show goes on, they will find out. Yes, this was her son. Yeah, maybe a birthmark. I don't know. I would like to see that to give Michonne something to develop because I saw in Talking Dead they did a scene from next week's show, and you do get that feeling that Judith is that precocious child that makes decisions for herself, which I think it makes it very difficult for Michonne to be her mom because she will go against Michonne. Yeah, we if- won't have to worry about where's Judith. We're going to be like, what's Judith doing? (laughs) Right. You know, she's walking around with her dad's big gun, which she has no problem firing. But she's also got this katana on her back. And Carl's uh, hat. You know, we got three episodes to the end of the mid-season finale. And they're going to be using, of course, those three episodes to introduce the Whisperers. Whisperers, And it looks like they're going to go down the road that the comics did, which I have to say kind of makes me wish that I hadn't read the comics. Which is kind of a shame because I'd I'd love to be able to go down the road with the rest of the viewers who have not read the comics that are going to be led to believe one thing and of course it's going to be something else. But I'm not going to be able to have that opportunity obviously because I've you know I've read the comics. But they've got three episodes and that'll be it for the mid season. Now Doctor Who they've got three episodes coming up that are named. But then after that, they'll have two more episodes which are to be announced. So we don't know what the names of those episodes are yet. And then. What'll be the New Year's special? So the next three weeks, we'll have uh, reviews for Doctor Who and The Walking Dead for three weeks. And then for two weeks after that, it'll just be Doctor Who. But mm-hmm. then we'll have to do uh, the Marvel and DC movies coming out. That are coming out. And yeah. Christmas. Once Upon a Deadpool, which is now <laughs> which is now the official title of the PG-13 Deadpool 2 Fantastic. movie. We'll be talking about that when it and comes out. Aquaman. And Aquaman. So we'll see if it's a good movie or not. The jury's still out on it. I have faith. As I do as well. And so with that said, we come to the end of another episode of the Geek Watch Podcast. Thank you for listening and tune in next week for the latest in geek news and views with the Geek Watch Podcast. For Mandy Petrie, this is Brian Hatcher reminding all of you out there that we're all geeky about something. Be proud of yours. See you next time. Thank you for listening to the Geek Watch Podcast. If you enjoyed this program, don't forget to like and subscribe on your preferred platform and share this podcast on your social media. For links to all the ways you can listen to the GeekWatch podcast, as well as leave comments and suggestions, visit our website at geekwatch.net. The GeekWatch podcast is a Hanging J production. <laughs>